0: You're listening to the Peacock and
1: Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
0: Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Happy holidays, everybody. It is our Wednesday. Stock up, stock down normally, but we're going to change it up here. We're going to have a little bit of an audible. Three Thanksgiving games that we've got to cover, so we're going to preview Thursday's games and the new Hall of Fame nominees have been announced. The finalists, 25 modern era semi-finalists for the class of 2021 Hall of Fame. And so uh, I think what we should do here is go over some of those and and see. And and it was requested by multiple listeners out there, too. So they want to hear this, Matt. Let's talk Hall of Fame. Sure. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. At BD Peacock on Twitter at Williamson NFL. Matt, I know Hall of Fame is your thing. You've got thoughts here.
1: Yeah, I'm excited, too. It's one of my favorite topics, and I know listenership's going back to the very origins of Lockdown NFL. We've been big on those kind of talks, and it always stirs the pot a little bit. Um, Happy Thanksgiving Eve to all. We'll break down those games. Biggest bar night of the year, unless you're here in Pittsburgh. All bars and restaurants are not serving alcohol here tonight because of COVID.
0: Yeah, we need it it's to crazy. not be the biggest bar night of the year right, with uh, right, with the right. way things are ramping up, and that's it's scary how how this could explode right now. So this is a this is a big time for us. We got to be smart, mask up, and and make sure you're distance. And I, I know you want to see old friends, and I know it's been too long, but we've got to be smart about this thing. Knock it out, then we can hang out with our friends as much as we want once we've got some <laughs> right. things under under control. But. We're already seeing too many new cases. I mean, just through an NFL lens, we're seeing too many cases, too many teams, too many facilities getting locked down because this thing is is ramping up a little bit right now in the winter. And this could be the type of weekend where that kind of thing explodes. So be smart, folks, and and be safe out there.
1: Yeah, have a drink by yourself tonight and text your buddies.
0: Thursday, we've got the early game. This is what I love about, I used to hate West Coast football times. Because 10 a.m. is too early. kind of, You know, when I was younger, especially, you know, you're in your 20s and I was bartending. I'd roll out of bed and be like, oh, my God, we got football on already? Uh, you know, and, and I, I would have preferred the East Coast, like football ending at midnight primetime. That was my vibe. But when it comes to Thanksgiving, I love the early games. I love that Pacific time. There's a game that starts at 930 a.m. We've got the Texans <laughs> kicking off at the Lions. The 1.30 p.m. game for me, the 4.30 afternoon game for you folks on the East Coast, Washington at Dallas, and then the night game, primetime Ravens at Steelers. Let's start with the early game, Matt. The Texans at Lions. We talked a lot about Deshaun Watson yesterday and how much we love him. And uh, three and seven three and seven Texans came out with a big win against. The Patriots last week, the Lions were completely blanked, shut out by the Panthers, currently at four to six. This is a pretty even game for me. Little surprised that on the road, it's actually Houston that's favored by three.
1: Yeah. And this might be a weird one. You know, the Lions, Thanksgiving, um, in an empty stadium. (laughs) You know, like I know we're used to empty stadiums, but uh, sitting there for the early game watching Detroit in an empty stadium, quiet and. Um, Not much on the line just seems a little odd to me. I think the Lions are in a bad place, and I kind of regret not putting them lower in my power ranks. They were just shut out, as you mentioned, by the Panthers, who's an improving defense, but not a good one or talented one yet or, you know, experienced one. I don't think Stafford's close to 100%. You probably aren't going to get Galladay. I mean, are they going to rush Swift back after his concussion? Uh, There's not much to hang your hat on here. You know, Hawkinson and Jones, and maybe that's about it. Um, Not that Houston's defense is good, and neither one of these defenses are very good. So, like, if this was healthy and everybody was full systems go, this could be a fantasy bonanza and could be a really fun game. I'm just not sure that the Lions are going to be able to keep keep up their end of the bargain offensively. And we did mention it yesterday, and uh, we got some tweets saying, thanks for recognizing Deshaun Watson. He's playing – out of his mind. And to me, they're playing much more competitive. Not that they weren't trying. That's not what I mean. You know, since the the coaching change, that Houston's not a bad team. Where I think the Lions are a bad team. I'm going to give the three and a half and think Houston puts up a lot of points in this game. And Watson puts on a show.
0: I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the... The sentimental side of me saying, "Oh, this is the Lions. This is what they do." They, you know, how many Thanksgivings has Stafford played? This, this feels like a, a, if Stafford plays, he's questionable, by the way. As is Kenny Galladay, as is DeAndre Swift, uh, yeah. as is Jeffrey Okuda, as is half of the Lions roster right now on a short week, and, and that could be, a, uh, you know, a bad situation if some of those players aren't able to play, but um, limited was DeAndre Swift in Tuesday's walkthrough. Stafford limited in walkthrough and Galladay uh, didn't participate at all in the walkthrough. Now, eliminating a walkthrough on a Tuesday is not a big deal. They'll probably get one practice in Wednesday later on this afternoon. And then, uh, and I, I assume most of those guys
1: are going to be able to play, but, um, I, I don't know. It's, Can I interject one, one thing? Yes, sure. This makes me crazy. I'm not sure I've ever mentioned it here. If you're limited in a walkthrough <laughs> if, for people who have never watched a walkthrough, like when I was at Pitt, we would do a walkthrough in the ballroom of the hotel. I mean, <laughs> really walking.
0: It's like, It's very it, literal. It is a walkthrough.
1: It's a walkthrough. There might be some jogging here and there on a route or, you know, they, they, they complete the ball and he jogs a little after to pretend like he's really interested, but it's all a mental, it's like chess. You just put this guy here and you block him and you go there. And uh, I mean, they're just like chess pieces out there. If you're limited in a walkthrough, like, what did you do? Do you just stand there? I mean, (laughs) I I never understood how you could be limited in a walkthrough because you're walking.
0: They should call them stand-throughs anyways, and then more people could participate.
1: Right. People would understand what's going on. But, uh, I mean, full participant in a walkthrough really is no different than limited in a walkthrough, in my opinion.
0: Here's one. Jeffrey Okuda, the rookie cornerback, first-round pick, is is, uh, also questionable he's had a pretty disappointing rookie season. Uh, Any thoughts on Jeffrey Okuda? Why that is just, you know, tough transition in the NFL being asked to do too much, just on a bad team.
1: Um, I'm going to brush it off as that because I liked him so much coming out. By no means would I say he's a bust and, you know, it would be a fun thing for us to do next week too. And I think I stole this off a podcast. I listened to I couldn't remember who, but if we repicked like the first 15 picks and, you know, did the same order, you know, like maybe Herbert would go first overall, or he certainly would go in the top two or three. You know what I mean? How far would Chase Young yeah. fall? I still think Akuda would still be a top 10, 12 pick because he has shut down corner traits and he can't forget where he was at Ohio State and what he looked like just a year ago. But I'm going to brush it off more or less to rookie corners have a tough, tough go of it.
0: Redraft. Let's do that next week as part of our yeah, stock down. Maybe a little rookie... 2020 redraft
1: yeah i think we'll keep the, keep the order the same since he still is the first pick mm-hmm. washington picks two but you know what you know now would you throw you chase young back in the mix for justin herbert i bet you would no offense to chase you know
0: as long as those questionable players play or at least i think it's really important you know john G. swift whatever you know how i feel about running backs stafford sure. galladay if stafford and galladay play I'm going to take those three points and I'll go Lions.
1: If they play and they're healthy, I think it could be really fun. And there could be a yeah. 40 to 45 type of Thanksgiving bonanza. But I don't trust the Lions. And I hesit- hesitate to even bring this up because football players really don't do this. But if you really wanted to get Mash Patricia fired, laying <laughs> an egg and getting embarrassed on Thanksgiving is a great way to do it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh that, that that i mean that would be a bigger problem if your players are like hey can we get this coach fired and get a new guy That's in here so the maybe we can way to get rid of this dude maybe we can
1: win some That's games for the first terrible time against games. a national audience before they eat their turkey
0: all right coming up we've got washington football team at the dallas cowboys and the ravens at steelers and then we'll talk hall of fame semifinalists coming up on peacock and williamson echelon brings connected fitness at an affordable price An arsenal of high-tech fitness products, bikes, rowers, the new Stride treadmill, so many affordable choices to get you fit this winter. When it comes to getting or staying in shape, nothing feels as good as hitting those fitness goals, the accomplishment, feeling great about yourself, and Echelon can get you there. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their all-new Stride Smart Treadmill. No matter what your favorite fitness activity, Echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort of home. World-class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes always available when you need them. And unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone, and one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. Right now, you can try Echelon Fitness Equipment at home for 30 days, go to echelonfit.com/nfl. That's e c h e l o n fit.com/nfl. Protecting your family is the number 1 priority, but if you want to do it safely, the people at Taser believe that safer self-defense is better self-defense. Taser's line of non-lethal self-protection devices are small and lightweight enough To carry with you or in your glove compartment or your purse or wherever you need to feel safe. Yet while small, they're powerful enough to incapacitate an attacker. Guns carry unnecessary risks for you and those around you. And even pepper spray can harm you as much as an attacker. And it's often ineffective. Taser products are safer and easy to use. They use an electrical charge to immobilize attackers for up to 30 seconds. Allowing you time to escape and send emergency dispatch to your GPS location. More than 237,000 lives have been saved with the Taser network of devices, apps, and personnel. And Taser is available without a permit in most U.S. states. Get the Taser Pulse Plus or Taser Strike Light at Taser.com with promo code NFL. Save 15% now at Taser.com, promo code NFL. T-A-S-E-R.com, again promo code NFL. NFL restrictions apply. See site for details. Afternoon game, Washington Football Club coming in at 3-7. Not a lot of wins so far on this Thursday. We'll get to those teams uh, in a bit. Washington football team at 3-7. They are 0-4 on the road, by the way, going to the Cowboys, who are 2-3 at home, 3-7 also overall. This is a big matchup. Like These two teams are in the playoff hunt at 3-7 in the NFC East.
1: Yeah, and we definitely didn't expect when we saw the Thanksgiving slate when the schedule came out for it to be Alex Smith versus Andy Dalton. I mean, these guys are big-time veterans that are trying to resurrect their career to some degree, and I think both of them are starting to play pretty well and get settled in as legitimate starting quarterbacks, and I think both these teams are starting to play well. I mean, not embarrass themselves. I mean, Houston's in that mold too. I've been talking about that a lot lately that the – the the three junk teams, Cincy, the Jets, and the Jags are are garbage. But the tier below them are starting to show some respectability. So I expect this to be a big game or a, a very competitive game. And you know what? This has massive playoff ramifications. On my Steelers show yesterday, we went through the schedule of the four. And this would be something we could maybe even do uh, t- after this week. You know, we could do that Tuesday too. We went through the schedule of the four NFC East teams and there's very few wins in any of their team's futures unless they play each other. So the winner of this game might have a leg up to go to the postseason.
0: Both these teams coming off of wins too. the the Washington football team beat the Bengals. That was just a deflating game for Cincinnati, obviously, with the big Joe Burrow. Injury in the Cowboys beating the Vikings. So maybe, you know, recency bias. These two teams playing as good as they've played uh, in in recent history this year, especially post Dak for the Cowboys. I like what I saw there. uh, Dallas is favored by three at home. I think that's a perfect line, but I'll still go with uh, Dallas at home. They just have more firepower.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, Dalton's done a good job getting the ball to Lamb and Amari. Zeke's getting on track. You mix in some Pollard and Gallup. Uh, they'll have trouble blocking up the Washington D-line, but I think they'll move the football and score points. But I think Washington will too. I mean, those backs, Gibson and McKissick, will catch a million balls from Alex Smith, and they won't have an answer for McLaurin. So I, I, I like the Cowboys, but I bet there's some points in this one.
0: The McKissick target numbers recently, especially when, once uh, Alex Smith took over at quarterback, are absurd. <laughs> like, kill, <laughs> right. Killing it for your PPR leagues when you just needed a running back and all of a sudden you got McKissick, you're like, okay, cool. I'll get double digit points every week just because of passing targets.
1: Yeah. Right. and He dumps it to him over and over and over.
0: But you're right, that's the path to victory for Washington there. Defensive line winning soundly over the Cowboys offensive line, getting to Andy Dalton, pressuring him. And look, it took spectacular plays. One of the catches of the year from C.D. Lamb and some big plays for the Cowboys just to beat the Vikings last week. So this is going to be a fun game. I'm actually excited to to tune in and see how this looks with that. Washington D against the Cowboys O on the other side of the ball. Not a super exciting matchup with when Washington has the ball versus the Cowboys D. But um, Washington should be able to at least move the ball there.
1: I think so. I think that both these teams will move the ball pretty well.
0: Uh, and you had the Cowboys, too?
1: I had the Cowboys. I think I'm leaning more towards the over, though.
0: Over at 46. That is somewhat low. These Both of these yeah. teams have laid eggs this season, though, too, offensively to the point where it's like, yeah, I don't even know where to place that over-under. But I, I'm with you. 46, then go over. The over 46 is hit on 90% of games this year, right?
1: I think so. But this doesn't seem like a huge number to me and I think they'll be back and forth and two competent quarterbacks
0: the over-under on the evening game Ravens at Steelers even lower 44 and a half Pittsburgh at home favored by four and a half points still unbeaten at 10 and 0 hosting the six and four reeling Ravens
1: yeah and if it wasn't for this COVID craziness with Baltimore and it looks like there's going to be a game but if there's a positive test today I don't know how they could play it I mean if I'm the Steelers, I'm not lining up against a team that has positive tests yesterday on you know, the day before the game. But they're not going to have the top two running backs. So they're going to be short some other players. Um, and I really thought, boy, this is a scary spot for the Steeler win streak. That Baltimore isn't playing well. They don't look their best. But we understand the rivalry. They're always close games. And this is a very dangerous animal pinned in a corner with fangs out with, you know, that are outside the playoff picture right now. But this COVID thing and lack of practice and just watching the Ravens lately, uh, uh, Steelers are playing much better than they are. This number's too big, though. I mean, it's four and a half, five. I don't care what year it is. I'll take the points in Steelers-Ravens if you're going to give me more than a field goal.
0: I don't think it's too big of a line, actually. I think it's perfect because I've yeah. just seen the Steelers handle too much business this year, and I don't I, like. We've we talked so many times this year about how okay the Ravens are about to click. They're about to click. They're not clicking, and I, I've click. stopped expecting them to click. But I did the same thing with uh, with the Saints, and all of a sudden they have the best defense in the NFL out of nowhere, and or one of the best defense that they have statistically had the best defense in the NFL the last three weeks. And so I'm waiting. For, the Ravens could do that. I don't think this is the week that that happens, though, and I think there's been too much of a script in Lamar Jackson, the Ravens' offense. They have to prove they can beat what teams are doing to them right now, and I don't know if the Steelers are the team you do that against on a short week, but I, I do yeah. like the bounce-back factor you're talking about, back against the wall for Baltimore, and they could absolutely come out and do that, but I think four and a half is perfect. It's not super easy for me to go the Ravens' way, but uh, I think they can keep it at least close you know, within a field goal, so I'll take the Ravens'
1: side, but I think this, the line's pretty good. I hear you say, I mean, Baltimore is not in a good place. couple notes, you know, because I'm a Steelers nerd. When these two teams played last time, Baltimore ran all over the Steelers. It's really been the only team that gouged the Steelers. But if you watch how the Steelers played, they were really cognizant of taking away the deep ball, the figuring, yeah, you guys can run on us for a lot of yards, but I'm not sure you can score with Ben and these receivers – just by old school ground game. And it didn't go well for Pittsburgh in that regard. I mean, they allowed far too many rushing yards. So I wonder if they switch that up. Um, Lamar has struggled most against the blitz. It used to be people didn't blitz him much because they were afraid to tuck it and run, but people are blitzing him, And that's when his numbers are at their worst. Steelers are like the blitz happiest team in the league and exceptional at it. And one thing I want people to watch that don't watch these teams, you know, half as much as I do This is really interesting to me because it's become very obvious over the last two years that when they do their zone read mesh point stuff, you know, is is Lamar going to keep it or not? The Steelers ends, the edge guys, Dupree and Watt mostly, but because it's usually their decision, they don't care if he keeps it or not. They drill Lamar even if it means giving up a huge run to, you know, I guess it'd be Edwards in this case. Yeah, the they best. hit Lamar every time. And they did it when RG3 played in week 17 last year. They are clearly being coached. They'll They'll even go out of their way. It's almost comical if you watch it. They'll go out of their way that a second after he hands the ball off, the running back will run right inside their inside shoulder and they'll take a couple steps and put their helmet in Lamar's stomach. <laughs> they just do it over and over. And he hates it.
0: Right, yeah, and I think that's the way to play it. And if you're a defensive quarter, coordinator, that makes it very simple because you're not asking guys to think out there. You're saying, go play. You know what to do. Go play fast. And I yeah. think
1: that helps. Um, the more There I was a you, Thursday night game here two years ago. Cam Newton came to town, and Christian McCaffrey ran for like 180 yards because all they did was hit Newton. Okay, if you're going to hand it off, I'm not even going to tackle him behind the line of scrimmage. I'm going to hit your quarterback over and over. And they blew the Panthers out.
0: I think – Chris McCaffrey has had the most games like that in his career, more than any running back I can remember, where he's had huge 100-plus yard rushing games in losses. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which doesn't really point. happen usually. Usually, you know, the, the statistics say, oh, when you have a 100-yard rusher, usually you're rushing with the lead. And the Panthers haven't been that way. This is completely off-topic to- about this Raven-Steelers game, but it's just something I've noticed multiple times in uh, Christian McCaffrey's career.
1: Interesting. He's Wonderful the best weapon you have for on sure offense. <laughs> for that out
0: there. You just keep running it with him. He's like, well, he's the best way for us to get back in the game anyway. So he, he's the running game and the passing oh, game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Clias Campbell's still questionable in this game. Oh, that's the other thing with Baltimore. They're missing people up front on both sides of the ball. Uh, the more I think about this, the more I want to even give up those points with the Steelers. but
1: um, They're light right now. No yeah. practice time. You know what?
0: I'm going to flip. I'm going to go Steelers. I'm going to give up the points. Let's do it.
1: Okay. I just think <laughs> these teams are never – no one ever wins by a touchdown yeah. in these games. No, I hear, I hear what you're saying. Justin Tucker will hit one from 60 yards and, you know, bring it to a close game.
0: We will come back Friday to take a look at all of Sunday's games. But right now, I think it's time to talk Hall of Fame. Really quick, the first couple of names here. And, and the list I'm looking at is one that you sent me, Matt. So we're, so we're looking at the same list. And this is NFL.com. I believe it's Adam Rank. Uh, had him ranked he ranked out the 25 semifinalists for 2021 so we're not um we're just going to use this as the list to go through yeah, i'm just yeah. going to tee these up for you matt and you tell me yes or no if these guys are hall of famers and i think the first three names are easy then we'll get into the difficult part of this thing and uh, we're going to start with adam ranks rankings of these 25 players number one is peyton manning he's obviously the the easiest selection for the hall of
1: fame of all time yeah we can just move on i mean he's uh, uh, one of my I mean, quick call of fame story. Okay. I often reference my Steelers show and you can find it on Steelers.com or the Steelers app. It's called the drive and it's myself and Dale Lawley. Who's been a Steelers beat reporter 30 years or so. I mean, since he was like 20 years old. Well, this past year, Ed Bouchette has always done the Steelers cases for hall of fame. And people probably heard that name. He's been covering the Steelers for my whole life. Well, he handed it over to Dale this last year. So, Dale and I are real tight, and I want to ask him: When you go sit there and you do the Hall of Fame cases, is anyone even going to do to discuss Manning, or can we all just be like, you know, just just put them right in, you know? Because there's serious discussion; it's a big deal, as you would hope. And I can't tell you everything he's told me behind the scenes and whatnot, but I wonder if you just be like. Can we just all not even make the case for Peyton Manning and just say, yes, 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 and just put him in?
0: Yeah, and shorten that meeting. Or (laughs) or is it a situation where everyone has a story and they want to talk about it, too? Maybe that's the fun of it. Be like, hey, let's talk about this about Peyton Manning. What about this?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but is anyone going to vote? No. Can we just put this guy in? Thanks. All
0: right. One of 25 in for sure. That is Peyton Manning coming up. Peacock and Williamson. The other 24 names here. I said at number four on this list, I'm looking at things get a little bit difficult. But, you know, I think there's some conversation about number two. Not if he's in or out, but how his career has gone versus some other all timers at his position. Next, Peacock and Williamson. Just when you thought built bars couldn't get any better, there is a special Black Friday Deal. 25% off all products all weekend long. Bars are covered in delicious 100% real chocolate, not some brown colored sugary substance. This is legit chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Built bars are great for the health conscious folks out there. If you're trying to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat, it's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Bars are low in calories, low sugar, high in protein, high fiber, even great for keto. Diets, all the old flavors, the new white chocolate flavors for your Black Friday 25% off special all weekend long. 25% off promo code locked on at builtbar.com. Number two on this list, Matt, is Detroit Lions. Wide receiver, Calvin Johnson. For me, he's no doubt in the Hall of Fame. He was the best at his position while he played. Career shorter than it could have been, and that hurts him in conversations versus other all-time wide receivers, but I don't think it hurts his case for the Hall of Fame.
1: I think he's a no-brainer as well. I don't think the committee will look at that that that, that way, though. I mean, I think there will be blowback. He can't be a first-ballot Hall of Famer, which is so stupid. Um, I don't think that he's going to moonwalk his way in as I think he deserves to, and my logic with him is if I'm a corner, a great corner, it doesn't matter. I'm, a, I'm an NFL corner. Would I rather line up against Calvin Johnson all day or with all respect to Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison? I mean, somebody right. that's an obvious Hall of Famer uh, or, or most NFL Hall of Fame wide receivers that are in, Charlie Joyner, uh, Lynn Swan. You know, I don't I'm I don't want to line up against Calvin. I'll line up against all those guys before him.
0: No doubt. Uh, I'm with you 100%. Calvin Johnson's in. And he did it for plenty. He did it for what, nine years, right? So.
1: Right. He was the best in the business for nine years, basically. Absolutely. That's enough.
0: Uh, number three on this list should probably be number two. And it's super easy. Charles Woodson, no yeah. doubt, is a Hall of Famer.
1: Right. At last year's consensus slam dunk, it wasn't on the Manning level, it was Troy Palomalu. I think Woodson and Polamalu are exact equals. And so that's the slam dunk.
0: I was surprised when I saw this name that is very close to my heart, number four on this list out of twenty-five semifinalists in two thousand twenty one. First time on the ballot, former 49ers linebacker Patrick Willis.
1: It's actually his second time on the ballot because you're gonna be respect me for this. I wrote an article last summer before they or I'm not sure when it was, before they announced last year's class, and you pick six guy. I picked six guys, and Willis was one of them. And by far, that was the most blowback I got. How can you put Willis on there? So I've been pumping him up for, I guess, a year now since he's only been on for a year. I think he was, you know, one of the absolute best in the business on a great defense for a long enough time. And he didn't play 12 years. That hurts him
0: he's the linebacker version of calvin johnson and wide receivers just get more pub you're playing fantasy football they're more in the news you know who those guys are patrick willis was that he took the baton from ray lewis as the best linebacker in the nfl and he was that for a time he played about the same amount of time i think maybe one year shorter than uh, calvin johnson did to me he would be a hall of famer but i could see the arguments for him to not be and you know he wasn't He just didn't get the publicity throughout his career. He was a pretty quiet superstar, which will definitely hurt him, too.
1: Yeah, and he played next to Bowman, who was really good at the time. Maybe they took away from each other a little bit. Um, I remember him, not that Lewis couldn't cover or the, the, the linebackers before him, but right when Willis started to take over, it became really important. Coverage had to be really important in a linebacker's resume, and he was great at it.
0: Oh, absolutely. He, he, play, he had one of the most amazing pro days of all time. I think he, he went sub 4-4 at his pro day to yeah. Old Miss. So that, that dude could fly when, uh, when he was in his prime and in his younger years for sure. And that's one of the reasons why he retired because he said, look, I want to wow people when I play. I don't want to be the old broken down guy. And he had some foot problems toward the end and he said, you know what? I want people to remember me as that wow guy. Like, look at that guy play. And, and I can respect that.
1: I, I like that he brought up the 4-4 thing because he was like the first uh, of those true off-the-ball linebackers that was like a sub-4-5 guy that I could remember that was a legit first-round pick and a really good football player. And now you get both Devons last year, Roquan Smith. Every year now there's a couple of those. You know, right. that's, that's starting to become common.
0: Yeah, and he was one of the first that could do that, where you're physical, you're a middle linebacker, you'll hit people, you'll take on blocks, but you could also fly and go sideline to sideline yeah. and cover people. Absolutely. How about this one? Jared Allen, defensive end for the Vikings, Bears, Panthers, and Kansas City Chiefs throughout his long career.
1: Mixed feelings, to be to be very honest with you, because there's a lot of guys in his era that are edge pass rushers that aren't LT level, that are really good like Jared Allen, that have a pretty good case, but I'm not sure who I would take over the others. You know, like... Uh, Kevin Green was one that just came up, Julius Peppers, Freeney, Mathis. I mean, I'm missing some names, but there's a ton of them from this era that played a long time, that racked up a lot of sacks, that were really, really good, but weren't no-brainer types. So I almost feel like if you put one or two of them in, you have to put all of them in, which is fine, but it waters it down a little. You know, Someone was tweeting us asking about, you know, Seems like it's easier now to get in the running back position than it used to be, and I agree. You know, like I know Miss Steeler Homer, but like Jerome Bettis, Curtis Martin, and especially Terrell Davis were really on the fence for me, and they went, and so now the bar is a little lower. Mm-hmm. So I'm not cutting on Allen, but if you put in a whole generation of Jared Allen types, I think the bar gets a little lower. But I'm fine with it,
0: right? And I think that's what happens in those conversations when they're doing the voting is they're it's going to be riders that have a bar and they're not going to go below that bar. So it's how many of them can they yep. get below that bar and vote a player in number six on this list. This is where Adam rank, I think is starting to have some fun on his, uh, on his rankings of these semifinalists. He's got Steve Tasker, the special team demon played for the bills and uh, the Oilers for so
1: long. No, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no. I mean, I'm going to have a hard time putting Justin Tucker in and I think he's the most deserving kicker ever. Um, I don't know that Vinatieri should go. And the problem is I can't leave another guy off. Like, this uh, this next guy, I'm not going to just bring him up because he's a stealer because I believe Alan Fanica is going to go this year, mm-hmm. and maybe a little birdie told me that he's got a really good chance. Like, Alan Fanica deserves to be in the Hall of Fame more than Steve Tasker. Right. And it, or Jared Allen deserves to be in the Hall of Fame before Steve Tasker. It's not even close to me. He played, like, eight snaps a game. <laughs> right. Uh Al, Alan I mean? Fanica like has to how be long in. Justin Tucker going on the field. Eight snaps a week, you know. Right. Or no. the Hall of Fame guard that's out there slugging it out for sixty snaps a game. Come and this
0: on. is what's tough for linebackers. Patrick Willis is what's tough for a guard, Alan Fanica. You just, you don't, there's no you're stats. Not, you're not a quarterback. You don't rack up as many stats. You're not playing fantasy football with this guy. There's not as many highlights of you. Zero highlights of Anna, Alan Fanica in his career. I mean, I'm sure you could find some fan out there that put a cut up of Alan Fanica clips, but the camera's not I'm even zoomed sure in you on him when, you, when you're when you finding those pancake blocks, right? So, uh, Alan Fanica, he's in all day for me, and he should be probably three on this, three or four on this list after Charles Woodson.
1: I know for a fact that. It hurt him last year that Steve Hutchinson, who I think is a little bit better, but they were like the best guards for their generation. Mm -hmm. Hutch got in. We can't put two guards in. And a ton of Steelers got in last year, too, especially with the Veterans Committee, Troy and Cower and Shell. So he had two knocks against them of, we're not putting another Steeler in, we're not putting another guard in. So I think he'll get in this year.
0: And you know me, I hate the Hall of Fame because of a lot of these things. To me, the easiest thing is, was he the best at his position for you know a time and and clearly one of the the guys in the nfl that's a hall of fame player and i don't even care what the stats say because you know it and i think guys like fannick and willis that's exactly what they are and calvin johnson for sure And there's gonna be people say people say that calvin johnson shouldn't be in and i think that's uh that's total bs how about this guy zach thomas who was very good maybe not the best in the nfl but instinctive undersized linebacker throughout his career uh with the miami dolphins mostly played uh 10 year uh, 10 11 maybe 12 years let's see yeah 96 to 2008 Zach Thomas played ended with the the Dallas Cowboys in 08 what do you got with Zach Thomas
1: yeah and uh, I don't mean to hit fast forward on this segment but I feel like we should draw a line after fanica take Tasker out of those front seven and throw him away he shouldn't even be in this conversation okay. no offense I'm sure he was great at what he did. Because these other names to me are Hall of very good players. I mean, Thomas and Mills are back to back on this list. They're both short, really good linebackers, not Hall of Famers to me, though. I mean, I, I, they just don't pass a sniff test. And I'm a believer in that in Hall of Famers. Like when you say a name, Reggie White, oh, Hall of Famer. Right. Zach Thomas. Eh, no. You know, like you should, yep. it's almost like an instantaneous decision if you're a smart football guy.
0: Mm-hmm. So we've got Manning, Johnson. Woodson, Willis, Allen, and Fanica, Ian?
1: To me, yes. Okay. Uh, I, there's a name on here that I know is never going to go that I've been pumping forever, and that's Richard Seymour. And he's another one like Fanica that he's a 3-4 defensive end that doesn't have numbers. But I used to do a podcast with Ross Tucker. Ross was like, Seymour's the best player I ever played against. You know, instrumental in – the Patriots success very few of these Patriots are going to go in over a 20 year stretch and outside of Brady and Gronk and maybe one or two others. I think Seymour is as good as any Patriot going.
0: Yeah. See, and I would put Seymour in the same class as Jared Allen, probably. I mean, I think they belong in the same category, maybe both in or both out.
1: Yes. Different styles, you know, one's a 300 pounder, three, four guy that ate up blockers and didn't accumulate stats. But was better at football to me than right. Jared Allen. Yeah, you know, that's Allen the thing. racked up stats on third and eighth when your team was up by a bunch, and nothing's anything wrong with that. And but Allen
0: had a better PR guy. Right, he had more right, pizzazz, right. better haircuts, <laughs> quote unquote better. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. So okay, I'm gonna run through these fast. You tell me if there's anybody that stands out that that might okay. get more votes or or less votes than they should. And there's a couple of interesting wide receivers here in Reggie Wayne and Torrey Holt that are right on that level for me. That that are very close. Uh, Darren Woodson, strong safety for the Cowboys. Cornelius Bennett, uh, Leroy Butler. Some very good names here. All hollow very good for me for the most part. Uh, Rodney Harrison, safety for the Chargers. Eric Allen was so good for so long. Uh, John Lynch, now GM of the Niners, former Tampa Bay Bucs, strong safety. Too, I think too long of a list of players for him to get in uh, once again. Uh, Willie Anderson, Bengals tackle. Rondé Barber. All of very good uh Olive good announcer as well good broadcast guy right. uh, Fred Taylor no way. Clay Matthews is an interesting one. Uh, played for so long. he played Forever. from the 70s into the mid 90s, which blows my mind. basically there's been right. Matthews in the NFL my entire life. Um, Tony Basselli uh, well, actually you know what okay hold on the last three here are very interesting to me because this, and I'm reading in the way Adam rank has them ranked these last three Tony Baselli, Heinz Ward. Bryant Young. Heinz uh, Ward is all very good, and, and you might have some thoughts on him, and we don't have a lot of time here, but to me, Tony Baselli and Bryant Young, two players that, uh, for, for various reasons, might not have had the longevity, but they were the best at their position for plenty of time that I think they should get considered more than some, some of the players that were way up on this list.
1: Yeah, they should not be at the bottom of the list, this list. I 100% agree with you there. Ward, to me, is a No. Um, he's behind Holt and Wayne easily for me, and I'm not sure those two should go. Um, Young, I think you make a good case, and frankly, you'd know a little bit more about him than I do. He also suffers, obviously, from not having huge stats because he's not a sack artist, and um, you know they weren't asked to do that as much of it back then too, but uh, exceptional career. Baseli's really interesting to me because he's been a finalist many times and hasn't quite gotten in, but when he played... He was Walter Jones, Orlando Pace, Jonathan Ogden good, you know, which was a tier above yeah. everybody else in the league. I would have no problem with Pacelli going.
0: Do you, if you're an offensive tackle, and, and that's what's obviously holding him back because he was on that level, you just have to play longer if you're an offensive lineman. If you don't play for right. 15 years, then people aren't going to give you all that credit.
1: Being a Jag doesn't help either. Yes, that is very
0: true. Bryant Young, by the way, was a member of the All-90s team. He was unblockable until he had that nasty leg injury, and then he was still very good, and people were double-teaming him instead of Dana Stubblefield, and Dana Stubblefield ended up with more stats and got a, a Defensive Player of the Year award that probably should have gone to Bryant Young. And you mm-hmm. look at other Hall of Famers in the interior, I think Bryant Young at his peak was better than John Randall. I think he was better than Cortez Kennedy, uh, probably right behind Warren Sapp as an interior defensive lineman. He was that good.
1: Okay. And I didn't give him a lot of consideration. You know, I just kind of brushed over him pretty quick. But the more I thought about him and listening to you, who obviously watched them, you know, probably every snap, uh, I think there's a case there. And, and there's obviously some position uh, problems, you know, guards and three, four ends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, will Will Fork go like Will Fork to me should be a Hall of Famer, but he's going to have no stats.
0: Right. Yeah. All he did was take on double teams all day long. <laughs> and there's right, no that's the linebackers
1: there. behind him if he should be a Hall of Famer.
0: Right. Uh, that's a great one. Yeah. Who should vote is the, the players that played next to them
1: right right or, or against or,
0: them or against them right yeah so yeah the only centers
1: people, in the league when to block will fork <laughs>
0: yeah, the only people that get to vote for vince Wilfork are guards centers and linebackers
1: <laughs> yeah there you go i like it. and d line coaches
0: i love that but yeah those names i just mentioned they're i don't think they're gonna get in and uh, no. i'm okay with that if they don't as well so yeah make it the hall of fame make it no
1: doubt mm-hmm. no i think the bar has gotten a little lower and last note on that too I respect Bill Cowher. I rooted for him when I was in high school and college and went to Steeler games away. My terrible towel. He got in last year. I don't think he's a hall of fame coach. I think he lowered the bar a little bit too. So like if Cowher's in, I think obviously Belichick goes, but I think like Andy Reed, Tomlin, Peyton, Harbaugh, Carroll, and that are coaching right now. If, if, Cowers in all those guys are no brainers. For
0: yeah, me. there's so many coaches and quarterbacks that are about to go into the Hall of Fame that are still currently playing, and uh, yeah. uh, it's getting to the point where it's like, okay, count the rings, you're in.
1: The quarterbacks will be interesting too, because like, will Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford go? Because when they retire, they're going to have more passing yards than anyone, but like three guys.
0: Mm-hmm. And, but the but world's they,
1: different. Yeah, I mean, they should go in over Terry Bradshaw. You know right. what I mean?
0: And they didn't win enough. That, that'll be huge.
1: Right. They probably won't have a, a ring.
0: If you get your ring and you have the stats, you're in.
1: Yeah. I mean, some of these quarterbacks that are massive accumulators in a passing era will be interesting to me.
0: And wide receiver numbers, too, are, are exploding right, right, like crazy. Right. So those will be some tough conversations. Well, they'll say, hey, this guy had more receiving yards than Calvin Johnson. You put Johnson in, how can you not put Blink in? And, uh, yeah. Which is right, a terrible right, argument. Right. But how about this guy coming up? This is looking ahead five years or six years or maybe ten years. Who knows? Frank Gore.
1: See, I think he's a no, but I don't have a problem with it. Is he better than, again, Terrell Davis, Curtis Martin, Jerome Bettis? To me, they're the worst running backs in the Hall of Fame, which is, you know, (laughs) the ugliest girl to beauty contest conversation. I'm just not big on accumulators. You know, like Art Monk's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he was really good. And when he retired, he had a ton of catches for his era. But I never thought he was the best. And Gore was really good for a couple years, but maybe I'm just being too tough on him for these last five where he's just hanging on and he's still okay. But like, like Adrian Peterson's much more deserving. I think Lynch is more deserving. I'm thinking about backs of his era that lasted a long time.
0: I would put, I mean, uh, Lynch is another one where he's got a better PR guy. Uh, I mm-hmm. think peak Gore is as good as peak Lynch, in my opinion. Um Probably. But, I mean, he's the number 3 all-time rusher right now, Frank Gore, so he's going to get in.
1: He's going to go. Yeah. Um, Real quick note on Gore, too. When I was at Pitt, that was on the Big East, and we played the U every year. They were in the Big East. And we recruited Miami, the city of Miami, extremely hard. We didn't beat the U on any kid in Miami, but we got a lot of kids out of Miami. So we had a lot of ties with that program, with that city. And anyone that knew the U or was in their program they all said Gore was better than all of them: McGahey, Portis, you know, that whole list. And then, and that, and then he got hit two bad injuries. Which yeah. That's why he wasn't a first-round pick. Two and ACLs.
0: That's, that's what's crazy about Gore. That's what's crazy. Yeah, When he was a freshman. He was so explosive. Imagine the Frank Gore we saw who ran like four six five or something at the combine. Imagine the four four flat version of that guy.
1: Right. Exactly. With better burst, and you know that he was better than all those guys that were awesome for the U. And who knows? I'm just guessing. That was a long time ago. I bet, you know, knee surgery come a long way since then, you know.
0: True. Very true. Good point. All right. We got to get out of here. Good stuff, Matt. I hope everybody enjoyed the show and enjoys their Thanksgiving. Matt and I will be back Friday morning to break down all of Sunday's games and look back at the Thanksgiving football action right here. Peacock and Williamson.